Welcome to Tactical Recon, the place where we find kingdom-building strategies through scholarship, leadership, and action. And here's your host. Hey, this is Michelle. Welcome to the Tactical Recon podcast. I'm here with our founder, Dr. Paul Michael Raymond. Dr. Raymond is the dean of the New Geneva Christian Leadership Academy. He's the pastor of the Reformed Bible Church in Central Virginia. He's the founder and CEO of the Institute for Theonomic Reformation. Dr. Raymond, glad to have you here with us today. Thank you so much, Michelle. I do appreciate the time that we can chat together and to iron out some things that I think Christendom needs to hear and to apply to their daily walk. So today we're going to begin with a three-part series revolving around the Geneva Leadership Academy's tagline, uh, Scholarship, Leadership, and Action. Uh, We're going to focus on scholarship and why that matters, what it means, um, what what can we start with regarding its definition? Well, the three work together. Scholarship, leadership, and action should all overlap. What we'll try to do today is just to define scholarship and, like you said, ask some questions. What it is, is it important today in our modern day of Christianity, and how is it to be used? Is it biblically sanctioned? Do we need it? Is it really only about academics and knowledge? Or is there something underlying uh, this idea of scholarship that we, we need to discuss? So a scholar is usually defined as one who learns from a mentor or from a teacher. It is also coupled with the idea of disciples. So if you are a scholar, you are being discipled. So when you take the the example of Christ and the disciples, these men were to become scholars. They were in the school of scholarship. They were becoming scholars so that they, as pupils, they then would be teachers. The Hebrew writer says that we are not to be thinking elementary wise we are not to be eating the drinking rather the 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 milk of the word but we should be eating the meat of the word and that we should then be moving on to become teachers so that we would then groom others in that scholarship mentality the problem with the idea of scholarship and what a scholar is is that today when you talk about scholarship someone would then define it in their own mind as, well, I need to be an academic. And I want to discriminate between the two. Mm -hmm. Whereas an academic, the wording is, we have to be uh, someone who is schooled, but is in the catacombs of knowledge without really getting out into the reality of the world. Even though a scholar should be an individual of books, because that's what the definition means. A scholar is a man of books. We should be a man and women and boys and girls of books. And those books are the books of God's word, but also the commentaries, uh, the other books that are written by faithful men who are themselves scholars. So we want to discriminate between the idea of book knowledge, head knowledge, theological knowledge, and scholarship. So I'm using them differently. So mm-hmm. what I don't want is someone to think of scholarship as someone who's just going to be an ivory tower. That is not what we want. Right, right. Why does that become a problem? Because then it's all about head knowledge and there's really no application. What, what I've found as, as a minister for, for 30 years is 
a lot of those with theological knowledge think that that theological knowledge is in and of itself their walk of obedience. Mm -hmm. But it's not. It's that theological knowledge or that scholarly knowledge which needs to be translated or transferred into a daily walk. So when you're reading the scriptures, you're not only gaining knowledge, but you're gaining knowledge in order to apply it. Now, that seems academic. In fact, someone would say, well, that, that that's no big deal. That's what we should do. But that's not what's done. Right, right. It, would you say that's inflicting tons of damage on Christendom with people devouring books, but not applying what they're learning? Yes, exactly. And I, I know many who who boast of buying books, but they're not really reading them. And even if they are reading them, they're really not using them. Right. And you, you find today, what you go into households today of Christians family folk. And you, when I visit, I look for their library. Mm. And sometimes they have a very impressive library. But when you go to the books, you find that they're really not read. They're really not used. There's dust on the books. But it gives you that sense of scholarship because I have books on the wall. I have books on the shelf. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that's not really cutting it today. And we see it in the world. We definitely see it in the world. We see the culture around us uh, unraveling because of the lack of, and let me use this term instead of the word scholarship, biblical understanding. Mm -hmm. And you're not, when you're talking about people using the knowledge, like putting it into, putting their knowledge into action, you're not talking about simply getting online and combating people in the social sphere with your ability to combat with words. Right, with debate mm -hmm. and uh, all of these uh, contentious um, platforms. And that's one of the things which is sort of an anomaly in Christendom. What I find on the social media platforms is a desire to win arguments, or very infrequently, very rarely, a desire to get into an argument in order to teach, in order to say, well, I understand how, where you're coming from, but here's what God says. Here's what the scripture says. Instead of trying to win an argument or slandering or creating schism, it's not a, it's not a, a place for that. It should be a place of education. And that's not what it's become. It's, it's been a bat, it's become a battlefield. And sure. what's really scary or un unfortunate, I guess is the word, is that it's within the group of Christendom, of, of Christians. So Christians are slamming other Christians just to win an argument without taking in consideration of the different nuances of Christianity and the different levels of understanding in Christianity. Now, if it's pure heresy, then we point it out. But the way we point it out is important. So I find that a lot of these battlefields, these battlegrounds, these uh, social media battlegrounds is a move by individuals who just think that winning an argument makes them more righteous or closer to God or more heaven worthy. And that is not the case. In fact, you find after all is said and done, after years of battling, some of these people go off the, off the rails. They, they, they go off Christianity altogether. You find that they become adulterers or they become, you know, liars or thieves or they just 
throw yeah. away the Christianity altogether because it's all about ethics, it's all about obedience, mm-hmm. not about knowledge. Now, in order to be obedient, you have to have knowledge. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the examples of Scripture, you're finding that both men and women had knowledge, theological knowledge, or knowledge of uh, sacred scholarship, knowledge of divinity. Mm. Mary, Hannah, and others, they understood not what God taught, but how they were to use what God taught. Mm -hmm. And that is something that we need to start reading the Bible for. Another problem, sometimes we read the Bible as a devotional. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But then we need to learn how to read the Bible for understanding in order to apply what the Bible teaches. Mm-hmm. But then there's a third level, and that is deep biblical study. Now, of course, the pastor is in the position to expound and exegete the Word of God, to apply the Word of God, to make it applicable for the day. But that does not excuse the congregant sure. from studying themselves, just to, to dig deeply, to do word searches, to learn some Hebrew and Greek, or at least use a concordance properly. Right, right. Well, you can't split an understanding of God's word from everyday life. You can't separate. You need that as you navigate the world around you and you come across ethical dilemmas and situations with relationships, your children, your work. And that seems so, what what you're saying is that seems so elemental. And it is, it Mm -hmm. is elemental, but that's not what we find. Mm -hmm. Let me, case in point, the discipline of children, Mm -hmm. the rearing of children. Mm -hmm. And instead of the discipline of children, let me just put it this way, the discipleship of children through education, mentoring, and chastisement. Mm -hmm. Well, we find that that is not usually it's either it's either done in extremes either way it's either extremely harsh or it's extremely liberal and there's no balance there so ask the question if i have a child or if i'm beginning a family i'm starting my family what should be the uh, the direction that you're beginning in your in your in your studies where where, where do you begin well, we begin by looking at the Proverbs. Yeah. Or we're looking at the case studies. How did God's people discipline their children? What does Solomon say? What did David say in the Psalms? Or even some of the case studies where you find fathers and mothers not disciplining their children so that when they become adults, they're out of control, self-absorbed, and reprobate. The problem today is when Christians get into this realm of Christianity, they think that the knowledge to raise children, just because someone is having a child or has children or many children, they are experts. There are there, There's no wise man here other than the Christ. Sure, sure. And I think, you know, talking about women uh, in the role of mothers raising their children, to say, oh, they don't need to have an understanding of God's word or ethics. That's ludicrous, If especially with their the amount of influence and time they spend in raising the next generation. Yeah, and, and what, it's need, what needs to be very understood is that 
the next generation is what will win the day. Mm-hmm. God works for generations. One other point, when we, we talk about scholarship and why it's important, it's important both for men and women. Now, on the extreme scale of the hyper-extreme patriarchal idea, the question is, well, why do women ever need to know? Why We have the husband and he'll just regurgitate what he knows and mm-hmm. the woman will learn. Well, who's training the boys and girls of that family? It's not the father. He's out in, on the marketplace and the marketplace is coming home to do devotions yeah. if, if he does devotions. But he's not really teaching them by the way because he's out in the marketplace. It's the mother. She needs to be the scholar in order to expound the scriptures, apply the scriptures, teach them while they're on the way, while they're lying down, while they're getting up. That's the father's job too, of course, is the priest of the house. But the mother is the governess of the house. She needs to be equipped intellectually with knowledge and with the idea and the understanding of application. So you you can't, you just can't say, I I remember talking with someone many, many years ago about uh, Geneva. And of course, it's, it's an educational facility. It's an educational idea. We call it a college just because that's common terminology. And someone said to me, well, why would women need a a college education? Because they need to understand the Bible. They need to have the Bible understood. The other argument is, well, I don't really need any kind of teacher. I could just read some books. Okay. All right. I've heard heard that before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very common. Very common. I'll just read a book. That will never produce a scholar because you cannot be challenged above what you're willing to be challenged at. So you need someone beyond you in order to challenge you, asking you questions that you would never ask yourself because you don't know the answers. So you'll only go as far as you're able to go. You'll never be brought to your extreme. And that's when you grow. Sure. It's with with anything. You always train with someone better than you. You never train just alone because you'll you go into circles. You always train with someone that's better than you, so then you could become better. And then when you could become better, then you train with someone better. Right. We see that all the time in sports, uh, martial arts, things like exactly. that. Music. People teaming up with mentors who are going to push them rather than right. keep them in the same. Right. And that's a good word someone to challenge or push them. Mm -hmm. So those who say, well, I'll just read books, it tells me that you're not serious about learning. Mm -hmm. You are lazy because then you could just pick up a book and say, I read a book and now I understand what the book says. But if you're just reading books, you're not always getting everything out of the book unless you're being challenged to examine the book, analyze the book, make annotations in the book, and then be able to then use what is said in the book. We have to use our books as tactical strategies. How do we approach the culture? How do we, how do we deal with our family? How do we deal with ourselves? Mm-hmm. Okay, so scholarship is essential. It's very necessary if you define it in the way that I'm defining it. The, the, other, the other thing is this. When you're learning all by yourself, and there's a place for that, Mm -hmm. there's a place for personal study. During the days of of the Puritans, during the days of the Reformation, they used to go to the taverns. They used to go to the Edinburgh Inn, the White Horse Inn, and they used to converse with one another. And that was 
keeping with the scriptures because the scriptures said those who loved yeah. the Lord, those who feared the Lord, spoke often one to another. So you mm-hmm. have this camaraderie, you have this this network, mm-hmm. not not a, not a Facebook argumentation network, but some sort of a portal where you can you can converse, whether it's online together yeah. in an environment of learning and challenging and asking questions mm-hmm. or face to face. And this is why fellowship is so important, whether fellowship on the Lord's Day, which is part of worship, where you can talk about the things of God instead of getting together on the Lord's Day and talking about, well, I did this at work or look at this new movie I watched or I'm going to Redbox in an hour to see whatever. That's not what the Lord's Day is for. Now, entertainment is fine if you want to entertain, but the best way to maximize the Lord's Day is through scholarly discussion, not debate. Not high and lofty things, but how are you doing with your work? How, how's your family? How's, how's the children? How are, how are you disciplining your children? How are you mentoring? What are you doing for devotions with your child? You're talking about a very holistic form of scholarship. Absolutely. A faith for all of life. Right. And, and then there's the, the other problem. When you have this high theological mentality and you bring it home and you have two-year-olds, and three-year-olds, and four-year-olds, and maybe even five-year-olds. You're opening the book of Leviticus, and you start reading. Mm-hmm. And the child zones out in the first sentence. Mm-hmm. Now, are we to read the Bible to the children? Yes. should be done before they're out of the womb. But they need to be engaged. Mm-hmm. They need to get books. You need to, as a, as a young parent... You need books with, uh, with uh, maybe pictures, not pictures of Jesus, of course, that wouldn't be right, but books and not pictures of Noah with all smileys, not smiley faces, you know, with the animals smiling in the ark. No, it was a very horrible thing, but books where you can engage the child. Right, right. And teach them. And you can extrapolate. You don't have to read what the book says. You can just show them a picture and preach from the, the word, you know, yeah. and just get them involved. And there's another reason that you're not just giving them the word of God. And you're not just teaching them, and you're not just discipling them. You're teaching them the value of sitting, mm-hmm. listening, mm-hmm. and the value of reading. Right, right. That is what is lost today, and here's why. Because you've got social media, you've got television, you've got all of these things which are fast-paced. Uh, it's, it's not conducive to focus, nor patience. Mm-hmm. So the child needs to be entertained every two seconds. And that is very, very bad. And I believe we are losing the culture war because we do not have the patience to dig deeply into God's word or into the books of divinity. And without that, you're going to lose an entire generation. In fact, I am almost to the point where I'm seeing an entire generation lost looking to grandchildren and great-grandchildren now. Mm-hmm. If we don't stop the, the hemorrhaging, yeah. uh, what, what are we going to say about the culture? And if, you, if you're going to argue with that point, well, just look around you. Yeah. What has the church done? Yeah, it, it seems like the battleground, one could say, is right in your living room, right around your dinner table. Um, it always begins there. Yeah, right? yeah. So So now... Because we do not have the tools, because of the lack of discipline, discipleship, and scholarship, 
the family, the individual Christian, those who love righteousness, those who love liberty, they're targeted by the state. Mm -hmm. So the state, instead of supporting that which is good, supporting the biblical family, the traditional family, the state now has become the enemy of the family because the family has not exercised its its muscles. Yeah. It's become atrophied. Its muscles, its theological, its biblical muscles have become very weak. And now they're hiding out in their homes, hoping that the enemy won't come to their door to take away their children or take yeah. away their liberties. And that's where we are today in 2021. Mm-hmm. It's tragic. All for the lack of discipline. And there's always a place for learning. You go to the supermarket, you could do math, you could do all kinds of things. When you're doing the laundry, it's a teaching on ongoing. It's a way of life. Yeah, That's right. It's a way of life. It's definitely a way of life. And I I find that a lot of uh, parents today, young parents today, are too consumed with themselves. They're not really understanding what it means to have a child and what mm-hmm. it means to raise a child. I mean, you, you, could, you could have babies all day long. You have 10 kids, but it doesn't matter. Sure. You, you, I'd rather have the one that's a warrior, a giant for Christianity, mm-hmm. than five children that go off and do their own thing. Right, Okay, right. so what, what is that all about? Right. Just because you're having children. So, you, so one would say, well, you're, you're populating the world. You're being fruitful. It doesn't matter. Fruit is really... The, the spiritual fruit in an individual. Mm-hmm. That's what you want. That's, that's what you want to see yeah. in the child. Yeah. So what Geneva does, as far as with, with our college, is we're tailoring all of the courses to the specific needs of the student. Sure. Whether they want to take one course, they want a degree. Now, a scholar is also someone who has letters. In our day and age, that is looked at as important. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it's important, and, and here's a very interesting nuance. A lot of people say, well, I don't need a degree. I don't, I don't need, I don't need a letters after my name. I would agree to an extent. Okay. William, William Huntington, one of the great preachers, he didn't have any letters. All he had was SS after his name, which simply meant sinner saved. That should have been enough. But in our day, the letters are actually stating that we've been under some sort of a tutelage and have been challenged by someone other than ourselves and been found worthy of attaining those letters. Sure. So you bite the bullet. Right. Whether we like it or not, people will stop and pause because you have the letters. Exactly. Yeah. And what happens is I, I went to seminary uh, almost 10 years after I was in the pulpit full time. And of course, you think you know a lot of things, but then when you're examined, you say, well, wait, I have holes here. I I don't know this and I don't know the other thing. And maybe I need to know a little bit deeper on this issue and that issue. So seminary was great. Okay. Now it showed me what not to do if I had a seminary because it was not about application. It was more about, it was more about academics. Sure. But it was necessary. Mm. So now I gravitate toward men my, who are of my senior. Okay. Mm who know more, who can ask me the questions that I never want to ask myself. That's how I stay frosty. That's how I stay well-equipped. And that's how I'm able to ask the questions to others because I had those questions asked to me. Yeah, yeah. So so for Geneva, what makes the scholarship that they're getting different 
from the scholarship they're getting from another college. How how do you encapsulate that with get, without giving away too much of what's to come in the yes. next two episodes? Yes, <laughs> yes. And, that, and like I said, it, everything overlaps. Sure. Most colleges, most seminaries ask you to just simply regurgitate mm-hmm. the information so that they know you know what was taught. Now, I know what the student was taught because we built a curriculum. Sure. I want to know how they're going to use it. I want to know, okay, you you read this book, you you listened to these lectures, and they gave you all of the tools to apply. And now we want to know in your final thesis what you're going to do with it. Mm. How are you going to apply it to the real world? Let me give you an example. So you have a hammer, and that's the curriculum. Here's the hammer. It's got a metal forged head. Maybe it's got a wooden handle. Maybe it has a metal handle. Maybe it's one piece. Maybe it's different weights. You have different weights for different reasons, and you have different everything. So you explain what the hammer is. Then you explain what it does. It hammers nails. It can act as a a pulling of nails. Okay, okay, it it could be all of these things. So the student knows all of those attributes of the hammer. Now, go and use it. Build something with the hammer. Yeah. What are you going to build? A doghouse? Okay. Uh, A dormer? Use it. Show me what you're going to do. So what we do is we give you the tools and we say, now choose something of the culture and how are you going to fix it? That aspect of the culture with those tools. Sure. Wow. But of course, that's for another segment. Right. Right. Very good. Well, thank you, Dr. Raymond. I appreciate it. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? No, we'll uh, save the rest for next time. Okay, fantastic. Well, thanks for chatting with me, and I look forward to revisiting the scholarship, leadership, and action portion next time with a focus on leadership. The Tactical Recon Podcast was brought to you by New Geneva Christian Leadership Academy and the Institute for Theonomic Reformation. To learn more, please visit our website at www.tacticalrecon.org.